1: Today's episode of the Nick Bob podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. You know, Pella, they're day one, man. They're they're, they're day one homies for the Nick Bob podcast. They've been with me from day one. And, you know, not only is Pella a great company, they got great people there. I went to school with my guy, Vince, just a great dude. They're the kind of people you want to do business with. And if you have pushed off a project with some windows or some doors, something like that, now is the time to turn that project into a reality because we all know a new set of windows, a new door can do a lot of things for you, it can change the look, the vibe, the feeling of your home. It can add value to your home. Plus it can make your home more energy efficient. Pella checks all those boxes and then some Pella can provide window and door solutions to any home. And again, working with the people at Pella second to none. So hit them up online, pellaomaha.com That's pellaomaha.com. And the Nick Bob podcast is powered by Runza. Runza has an app and you need to download that app because as a father of two little kids, anything that can increase speed and efficiency when it comes to eating, I'm all for it. And the app does that. I can order food on the app, pop into the restaurant. It's ready for me. It's hot. I'm in, I'm out. I'm now like a finalist for dad of the year or something like that. And it's in large part due to the Runza app and ordering a breeze on the app you can customize your order you get all your favorites just the way you want them plus you can earn points for rewards in the app you can score free food from Runza in the app so go download the Runza app you can get Runza get rewards then get more Runza all on the app Runza makes it all better all right welcome into the podcast uh there's obviously tons to discuss in the world of Nebraska football. So we're going to deep dive a little Husker football today and kind of the itinerary of of what we got on the docket here is I'm going to give my take on the, on the hot seat discussion. That's kind of creeped back up after the heartbreaking loss at Michigan state. You know, someone like Tom Chattel even admitted it in the column said, Hey, listen, the heat is on. Um, that's somewhat the elephant in the room and anymore the elephant in the room, not so much because people are willing to you know point it out, talk about it. And I'll give you my thoughts on the current state of affairs as it pertains to the hot seat and within that, I got a theory on Trev Alberts and how he's maybe viewing this whole situation. I think you guys are going to find interesting. I have my Husker football progress report. I'll give my Northwestern prediction. But I want to start with, with something I, I'm just thinking. this. I'll just call this like bike thoughts. When I'm on my bike, I do my bike ride. I go on a bike ride about every day. Things just hit me, just pop into my head. And so, you know, I'm, two things popped into my head real quick before we get into the meat and potatoes of, of the pod. You know, I listen. I watch Twitter. I read Twitter. I read the stories online. I listen to the radio. I listen to the callers, and I, I want to talk about press conferences for a second because and and listen, full disclosure, I can only speak for myself on this one. Like this is just based on my experiences as a Division One athlete playing college basketball at Kansas and Creighton. I think we make way too much out of what Scott Frost says in these press conferences as it relates to the players. Like, listen, has there been things that Scott Frost has said in press conferences throughout his tenure at Nebraska that he regrets and I cringed a little bit and I thought were mistakes? Absolutely. You know, the whole ripping Riley in the old regime when he took over the job, just like, what? why? Why you got to do that? The whole better better get us now because in year two, we're going to be dangerous. Why? Like the hype train is already behind you. If anything, you should have been downplaying that stuff. Why? Right. I could go on and on, but you get the point. There absolutely have been instances in which Frost has said things in press conferences that I haven't necessarily liked. But some of the blaming of the players and, and what are the players going to think of that when they hear it from, from f- what he said in the press conference, all that stuff. Again, this is just me. And, and based on my experiences playing for Dana Altman at Creighton, playing for Bill Self at Kansas, the only thing that matters the only thing is what your coaches say to you
2: and what is said to the team. That's it. What what Scott Frost says to the players, what he says
1: to the individual players, that's all that matters. Like, whatever he is saying in the locker room, that's all that matters, and that's all those players are focused on and thinking about. Like, I, I was really trying to rack my brain, because I, I, I've... I've seen some of the reactions to some of the the Michigan State press conference, all this stuff. Like, I was really trying to rack my brain. And I can't remember one time where I remember what Bill Self or Dana Altman said to the media after a game. Like, I, I can't remember one time what Dana Altman told Tom Chattel or Steve Pivovar after a game. I can't remember one time what Bill Self told Gary Bedore after a game, who's the beat writer for Lawrence Journal World back in the day. But I can vividly, vividly remember what those coaches said to me and said to us in the locker room after games. I remember that because that's what matters. So I just, I think people in general make... Too big a deal about what what Frost says in press conferences, and I wonder what the players are going to think of that. I wonder what they're going to... Again, this is just me, based on my experiences. What matters is what Frost says to the team. I only concern myself with what Bill Self told me, or Dana Altman told me, not what he told the press. Because the reality is, whatever, whatever... whatever Dane Altman's willing to say to Tom Chattel, he's probably going to say the exact same thing, probably a little more R-rated to me. Like, that's what I think a lot of the players are focused on. That was the first bike thought I had. The second thought I had riding my bike was I, I was listening to some audio from Mike Dawson's meeting with the media. And Mike Dawson, he's the outside linebacker's coach, but he's also kind of pseudo in charge of special teams right now. It's a group effort, but Mike Dawson is, you know, he's outside linebacker slash special teams. And he was talking about the punt return situation and Samari Torrey being back there, returning punts. And how he described Torre and a word he used in describing Samari Tore made it clear to me that a lot of these special teams issues are mental. They're, they're in between their ears. It is all in their head. Because Mike Dawson basically said that one of the punts went over Samari Torres head when they first threw him back there. Now I can't remember this in a game must've been one of the games where a punt went over his head. Maybe the, maybe the Fordham game. I, I can't totally remember which, which instance it would have been, but he, he said a punt went over Samari Torres head. So they backed him up. Said, Hey, you need to back up a little bit. Can't have a punt going over your head. And the word Mike Dawson used was that, well, now he's a little spooked to come forward to catch the ball because he doesn't want the ball to go over his head. And that word spooked stuck with me because it, if you stop for a second, just stop for a second and think about the five games so far we've had this season and all the talk we've had about special teams and what these errors have looked like. And if you stop for a second and think about the off season and what the narratives were and what the talking points were, not only amongst the media, but inside those locker rooms, you know what the coaches were talking about, what was being discussed ad nauseum every single day with special teams. Got to get better. Got to get better. Special teams, special teams got to get better. Got to get better. Special teams got to get better at special teams. It's all about special teams. Got to get better at special teams. It was top of mind for everyone. And which is good to a point you can, you can make, it's good to make something an emphasis. There are times you can maybe overemphasize something. You can, you you can maybe talk about something too much. And I I think when you maybe, when you maybe overemphasize it, you kind of squeeze too tight air quotes there. You squeeze too tight. And in, in sports, when you're squeezing too tight, you get into your own head and you're in your own mind. And I think about Cam Taylor Britt's first muffed punt for a safety at Illinois. And I think after months and months and months of kind of beginning to squeeze tight, squeeze tight, squeeze tight, and then Cam Taylor Britt goes out there, fields a punt at the one inch line, throws it, is in there, gets a safety. I think the entire unit of special teams got a little spooked with that one play. And it's just kind of snowballed it's grown it's grown they were already round tight cam taylor Britt messes up now they're starting to they're starting to get a little tight starting to pucker a little bit and they haven't been able to whew. they've yet to have a moment where they can all just all right everybody just relax it's all in their head now because think about it now so cam taylor Britt has the muff punt and the safety he's arguably the best player on the team he's a team captain then, in the same game, the only all-conference player on the team, Connor Culp, what does he do at Illinois? He misses not one but two extra points. Not one but two extra points. Now the rest of the unit's going, oh, boy. It's getting a little tighter, getting a little tighter. I think, collectively, they're internally, they are spooked. Again, that word spooked because the guys behind Cam Taylor-Britt that have come in have struggled. The punters, Pristup, Cherney, come in, they've, been, they've, been, they've struggled. Colt misses more field goals at, at Oklahoma. Then they get an extra point blocked. It's returned for two points. A guy like Ramir Johnson can't catch a kickoff. Like Then, obviously, we all know what happened at the end of the Michigan State game. Cerny's supposed to punt it right. He shanks it left they say, house call it, you lose. And they are all now so in their own head about it. Like, usually when you think of the yips in sports, you think Chuck Knobloch, you think Charles Barkley's golf swing, you think of one individual. Oh, that guy's got the yips. I think maybe potentially for the first time, you're witnessing the yips for an entire unit on a football team. I really think almost all of the specialists on special teams have the yips. The returners, the kickers, Culp, the two
2: punters. I think they're all in their own head. It feels like they all collectively got the yips at the same time.
1: And there was just something about the way Mike Dawson described Samari Touré's mindset, returning punts. It just clicked for me with the entire situation. They're wound so tight and nervous, and they're in their own heads when they're out there. Because you, you know that term, the zone in sports? Like, man, hey, Dame Lillard was in the zone. Man, Tom Brady was in the zone. The zone in sports is basically playing almost absent of thought and absent of worry. There, isn't a, there, there really isn't a thought in your head, and there for sure isn't a negative thought in your head. Like, you're in the zone when, when that's the case. It seems like Nebraska's special teams is drowning in thought, drowning in in worry, drowning in negative thoughts when they're out there. I mean, we all feel it. Like I'm sure you're how you feel when when Nebraska lines up for a, a field goal right now. <laughs> I saw it, I saw a meme on Twitter. It was the the Michael Scott when he was doing the, you know, the the face that he makes when he's like, uh-oh. And it was when Nebraska lines up for a field goal and Michael Scott's face. That's what it feels like. And guess who's also doing that? Probably Culp. When they line up for a punt, Cerny, up, they're probably going, oh, God, returners. I think, what, I think we are potentially witnessing the first ever case of the collective yips for an entire unit, not one person, an entire unit in sports. Maybe, maybe Nebraska needs to get a hold of that sports psychologist from Ted Lasso I sure any Ted Lasso fans out there. It's an unbelievable show, but they have a sports psychologist now for AFC Richmond. And she's good. I think uh, I think the only solution I can think of right now is that they need they need Ted Lasso's sports psychologist. She'd fix those guys in no time. Okay, enough of Nick Baugh's bike thoughts. Um, let's get into the meat of the pot. Because there there's there's a lot to dive into. So, you know, we've entered into We've entered to an incredible, incredibly difficult time with, with the Frost era, with the two and three start, and a major gut punch loss at Michigan State. A game that you had, let it slip away. And, you know, it's a difficult time right now, and it's difficult conversations right now. Because in some ways, it's a difficult program and team to assess right now. Hell, I'm sitting here acting like I'm, t- I'm on a bike. Like, do they have the yips? Like, I mean, it's a difficult situation to assess. Even simple questions like, has there been progress or is this team close? Are kind of challenging to figure out. Because even though sports are typically black and white, there's a final score, there's a winner and a loser. The answers and discussions to those questions are actually kind of complex and even a little polarizing. Like right now, you can divide a room. You walk into it and say, I think Frost is close. Might be, you, you might get some looks. Or you walk in and go, I think, Friars, I think Frost should be fired. This is awful. You get some looks. Like it's getting to that point. It's getting to that point. Because, you know, it's funny. I asked Bo on on our recap pod for the Michigan state game with Nebraska football right now, can you simultaneously be close and far away at the same time? Because that's kind of what it feels like in some ways right now, because in some ways, Nebraska is close. And in some ways, Nebraska feels like they're far away. I personally lean closer towards Nebraska is close, but I can get how that can be met with an eye roll with certain people. Give it a rest. Come on. But I want you to stop for a second and think about a few things. When, when trying to assess, you know, is Nebraska close? has there been progress. Think about the last few games, the last five, six, seven games under Mike Riley in 2017. How atrociously bad they were. Soft, not physical, couldn't stop a soul, weren't tough. They were getting blown
2: out. Now think about the 2018 Michigan game in Ann Arbor, Frost first year. Think
1: about the 2019 season. They, they, they weren't even close in that Michigan game in 2018. That was varsity versus JV. weren't even close. They weren't even close in that 2019 Ohio State game when Chase Young and Justin Fields came to town and college game day was here. That was varsity versus JV. Hell, that might've
2: been varsity versus freshman team. Now think about this team. Think about the last couple of games. I think you're being a little disingenuous to say there's been no progress. I think there's been I think there's been some progress. Like they're they're better on defense, much better
1: on defense. I think that that's a legitimate top 20 defense in the country right now. And the stats kind of back that up. They're more physical. We really don't even talk about that anymore. And bottom line, they could easily have back-to-back top 25 road wins. And when that's the case, it's hard to say there's been no progress. Like, they're a competent kicking game away from getting ready to host Northwestern on Saturday night Memorial Stadium under the lights with potential road
2: wins over top five-ranked Oklahoma and top 20-ranked Michigan State. I get it. Nebraska didn't win those games. But we got to take some context into those games, right?
1: It's just for me, it's like, you, you know, you want to be a wins a wins, a loss, a loss, kind of, you know, do that whole tough guy talk. It's like, OK, it's hard to categorize those losses, the Michigan State loss, the Oklahoma loss in in the same category as the 2018 Michigan loss or the 2019 Ohio State loss. Or if you want to go back to the 2017 uh, Ohio State loss or the 2017 Iowa loss. Yeah, they're all
2: losses, but give me a give me an effing break. It's hard to categorize those all in the same way. But I'm also not going to be disingenuous. I'm not going to be disingenuous
1: and not point out the big picture fact that while there has been spurts where this this offense has shown life overall. This offense has also regressed since 2018. Special teams has kind of continued to be atrocious. It was bad in year one. It's bad in
2: year four. All those things are real. Yet still, they're close to -to back-to-back road wins over top 25 teams. But
1: here here is where this whole progress discussion gets
2: difficult is the progress based on where they've actually been
1: on the field in real games throughout frost time here
2: or is it based on where you thought they'd be at this point because there's a difference between those two
1: like, that's those are two different framing reference points. Like, is the progress discussion based on what we've seen on the field the first three years and comparing it to now? Or is the progress discussion based on our own projections of when Scott Frost took the job and comparing it to where they are right now? Because if we're using the latter, I don't think this team as a whole is, is where anyone thought they'd be in year four. I don't think anybody thought they'd they'd be two and three and grind and
2: make a bowl. But if we use the progress based on where they've actually been, I think there's been some progress. I think there's been progress. For example, the offense
1: overall regressed since 2018. And yes, the offense is not where anyone thought they'd be when frost took over. No question about it. But when you compare elements of this offense to the 2019 offense and the 2020 offense, I do think there's been some progress. I do think there's been steps in the right direction and the defense. I mean, this isn't even debatable, right? Like, I mean, this defense is legit. I mean, it's trending towards being the best defense Nebraska's had since Sue was in town and Levante David and Jared Crick and Prince and Dennard were in town and Gomes and Hag like that. That's where this defense is trending towards. The Nick Bob podcast is powered by Runza. I got to talk to you guys about something. The Eagles ran Philly special in Super Bowl 52, right? Remember that trick play? It was incredible. It was amazing. Well, Runza has huddled up and they got their own version of Philly special. How about a Philly style Runza? Oh, man. For a limited time only, you can get a Philly-style Runza. Everything you love about a Philly combined with everything you love about a Runza wrapped up into one. So if you got a hunger as big as the Sixers center Joel Embiid, you need the Philly-style Runza. You got green peppers, grilled onions, steak seasoning, Swiss cheese, and, of course, juicy delicious succulent steak all wrapped into a runza oh my goodness the combination of steak and runza i mean that's kind of like the combination of adrian martinez and samari torre it's just fantastic so get your philly game right get your philly style Runza game right again this is for a limited time only so head out to runza today and get a philly style runza runza makes it all better by the way I, I, it's kind of interesting that Scott Frost gets zero credit for the defense. Like, I get that he's not the defensive coordinator, but he is the head coach. Like, the idea that he gets none of the credit pie when we're, di- we're, we're handing out pieces of that credit pie for this defense, it's like, no, Frost, you don't, you don't get any credit for that. So it's kind of weird to me. He's the head coach. He's the head coach, but I digress. So it's a, it's a tough, complicated discussion. It's a tough, complicated discussion, but if you circle back to the whole, are they close or are they far away thing? I just can't get past like if you, would, if you were to tell me yeah, that teams far away, what are the images and things you conjure up in your mind? Like I think of teams that are, that are far away are usually getting blasted, like blown out. They look like
2: they're way outmatched on the field, way outmatched. That's not Nebraska right now. But teams that are close, as I Jekyll and Hyde this thing,
1: teams that are close don't make laughable mistakes every week. Teams that are close don't make laughable mistakes every single week. Special teams blunders that would be embarrassing for a high school team. False starts in bunches,
2: like back-to-back false starts. So how do you make sense of all that? How do you, it'll drive you insane to think about.
1: I'll do a deeper dive into my progress report later on in the pod, but it'll drive you insane to try and think about it. But back to kind of the the bigger picture of the moment. You know, I, I said before the season started, this season was about earning the fans' trust and patience back. That's how I kind of framed, hey, what's this season all about? It's about earning the fans trust and patience back. Dirk Chatlin on my podcast like we last week kind of framed it in the moment uh, as you know, Scott Frost and this team, they have to give the fans something to believe in by
2: Black Friday. So the Iowa game, last game of the season. So with having said that, and then taking into
1: consideration the the two and three start to the season here, what do you do with that situation? How do you make sense of it in terms of projecting where it's going and figuring out that question of, hey, listen, man, is this heading in the right direction? Again, defensively, unanimously, I think everybody is in agreement, yes. Offense, listen, I think Martinez is, is masking a lot of issues. The offensive line is a major concern. I think the running back room is still really average. They're still not putting up points as a collective unit. I mean, against three Power 5 teams this year, Illinois, Oklahoma, and Michigan State, the offensive scored 22 points, 16 points, and 20 points. That's that's not that's, that's not scoring the ball. When you look at the special teams and the self-inflicted stuff, I mean, like we've talked about, the kicking games cost Nebraska probably two games this season. The one thing I will say is I, I don't know if it's entirely fair to peg the special teams issue with, like, with the return game, like you, you can, you can, let me rephrase that. You can, the special teams issues. If you want to say it's coaching, I think you can point to the return game, some of the different stuff like that, but like the, the punts and the, and the, and the field goal kicking, I don't know. You can peg that on coaching, but whatever. Is it, is it coaching when an all conference kicker, all of a sudden can't make an extra point? Is it coaching when you tell your punter, Pun it right, and he, sh- and he line drives it
2: left? Like, uh, hard for me to say that that's coaching. But bottom line, it is really concerning
1: and perplexing to have the same issues for three and a half years. Scott Frost and this team clearly aware of the issues
2: heading into the year. They've tried to fix, they've tried to work on them, and it's not getting better. So how do you fix the fact that it's not getting fixed? How are you supposed
1: to project this situation to get better when the self-inflicted
2: special team stuff isn't improving? Can you ever fully believe with this stuff still going on? It's tough but at the same time in spite of all of that this team to me is really
1: close to being 4 and 1 and maybe in some alternate universe 5 and 0 oh. this team is close to having two road wins against top 25 teams and think about it man think about how you felt watching that Oklahoma game everyone was kind of pumped after that during the Oklahoma game even afterwards there were a lot of good vibes coming out of that game and and really think about how you were feeling about things with this football team and this program before Cerny's punt in the fourth quarter, how you were feeling about things. You were feeling pretty good. Like there's a version of this season where this place is on fire with excitement and everybody's really, really pumped about the defense and Martinez progression. And I guess to me that, that version of this season actually feels, it feels close and far away at the same time. It feels close enough for me to be able to say this, but far away enough for me to, when I say it, sometimes I feel stupid
2: saying it. So I just talked for a long time, but I don't think I came to any sort of real conclusion. (laughs) But But that's kind of the
1: nature of the situation. But that's why I think it's too early to render a verdict on the season and on the frost era. There's still seven games left. There's seven football games left. I'm taping this. It's at the end of September 29th. They haven't even, it's not even October yet. Like Dirk Chatlin said, have to give fans something to believe in by Black Friday. And you've got seven games to do that. But it's going to get, it's going to be a challenging process for everyone to assess from this point forward,
2: because getting to a bowl game, getting to a bowl game is going to be really challenging now. And getting to a
1: bowl game was going to be the easiest way to gauge progress. That was going to be the easiest thing everybody could come together on and agree on like they made a bowl, indisputable, they're in a bowl game. They weren't in a bowl game last couple years. They are now, easy to say, that's improvement. They might not have that at the end of the year. So gauging process gets potentially a little murky. So this this nuanced complex discussion is likely going to continue.
2: But I will say this. I don't think this team will quit. I don't think there will be
1: a collapse. This isn't 2007. This isn't 2017. For two big reasons. Number one, Frost Scott Frost isn't a dead man walking like Bill Callahan and and Mike Riley were. That's number one. And number two, And maybe this is the most important thing. I think this defense is too good for a full-scale collapse. It's too good. It's hard. It's, It's hard to really collapse when your defense is, you got a top 20, top 25 defense. And that's what it seems like Nebraska's at right now.
2: Speaking of hot seat. Speaking of hot seat. Like I just said, I'm not ready to go there yet.
1: But I think it's certainly not out of the question that, you know, this situation gets dicey if things don't start turning around and turn around like starting this Saturday. I mean, we all get it, right? Like Scott Frost isn't winning. He's not winning games. Three straight losing seasons. They're staring down the barrel of another losing season. At some point, you got to start winning games. I, I still think this hot seat discussion is more of a two-year Timeline, then immediate right now discussion. I can't imagine Trev Alberts in his first six months as athletic director wants to fire Scott Frost. Especially when there are potentially obvious moves that you could make at the end of the year with staff changes that are I think are looming. Whether it's, you know, I think it's all guys on the offensive side of the ball. Like Greg Austin and Mario Verdusco, like those guys come to mind right away. Though that feels like more that feels more looming than a hot seat like axe at all, kind of a kind of an option. But I have a theory on trev. i was I was thinking, i was I was thinking about this with Trev Alberts and trying to get into his mind and get into his brain. And I was wondering from afar on like how he's viewing all of this. How is Trev Alberts sitting in his skybox or standing on the sidelines? how is he assessing and viewing all that is happening right now with the program this season how is he viewing it whether we all like to admit it we all have personal biases based on our own experiences we do everybody wants to act like man i'm i'm objective i'm unbiased i call it like it is eh, everybody Everybody's a little biased in some way based on where you come from, what your background is, what you're good at, what who you know. All this. We're all a little more biased than we think we are based on our own experiences. I say that. Let me let me give you an analogy, and then I'll I'll, I'll land the plane here. Think about all those, uh, you know, American Idol, the singing contest shows. I think you can see biases based on experiences shine through with the judges at times. Like Pharrell, he's a music producer. As a music producer, he's going to view things through the lens of a producer. Like if the production of
2: the entire song is good, he'll feel better about it, even if maybe the singing isn't good.
1: But someone like Paul Abdul, who's a singer probably looks at it differently. If the singing is solid, if the voice is good, the singer's voice is good, she's probably prone to feeling better about a song even if the production isn't very good.
2: This isn't to say that Trev Alberts knows nothing about the other phases of football. But the fact that the defense is really good
1: I wonder if on some level that makes him feel better about
2: the direction of the whole thing. What Trev Alberts really knows is defense.
1: That's where his expertise lies. That's where his experience lies. The fact that the defense is performing, the fact that the defense has been excellent, I'd have to imagine,
2: on some level, that impacts how he views the entire situation. Again, we're all biased in some way, and this is just a theory. Like I'd have to imagine, a, in in Hollywood, a costume designer
1: probably feels better about a movie if the costumes are excellent, even if the character development is lacking or the writing is lacking. A chef probably feels better about a restaurant if the steak is excellent, even if the ambiance and and the waiter isn't great. I could go on and on, but you get my point. I just wonder, this is a theory, I just wonder if on some level, the fact that Trev Alberts, one of the greatest black shirts ever, feels better about the situation because he sees the black shirts
2: playing Great. Just a thought, just a stupid theory. So I'm try,
1: everybody's trying to you know, wonder, okay, what are, I wonder what Trev's really thinking about this. I just wonder if on some level, like the defense is balling, that's going to make him, I, I'm sure it would eat at him more if the defense was atrocious. Imagine if everything was flipped and it was the defense that was struggling, but everything else, I, I, think, I think it would eat at him more. I don't know, just a theory cuz everybody right now is trying to you boy would you love to get in inside his head and, and see what he thinks. So with the you know with the hot seat talk stuff, again I'm not ready to go there left still got yet yeah, there's still 7 games left. I think this team is really flawed but at the same time I think they're a little closer than people think. I think this defense is good enough that they can still win a lot of these games left coming down the pike here. Like I look at the rest of the schedule You can laugh at me, want. I think Nebraska Nebraska can win four or five games down the stretch here. Like, I really believe that. Now, is the opposite true? Could could Nebraska continue to be atrocious and special teams and shaky in the offensive line and shoot themselves in the foot and and only win one or two more games? Yeah, I mean, absolutely that's
2: possible. That's how small the margin for error is with this team. But that's why you got to let it play out. That's why you got to let it play out. And like I said a
1: second ago, I think of all the likely scenarios with regards to the hot seat or looming coaching changes. I think Scott Frost coming back next year with some staff changes is the most likely outcome or scenario on the board at this moment. And I would think one of those changes is a full-time special teams coach. Like at this point, you almost have no choice. With obviously now, I think there's a few offensive coaches that are, I've been put on notice a little bit right now, but again, let's see what happens, you know, because that's the beauty of sports. Just when you think, you know, who someone is or or what someone is or or what something is, it can change like that. Eric Chenander in the defense is kind of living proof of, you just never know. You think you have someone pegged. You think you know the the upside of something. And then you let the games play out. And it arrives at a completely different point than what you thought. Because Eric Chenander was the whipping boy when he arrived in Lincoln. I was doing radio at the time. I got the emails. I got the tweets. I got the calls. He was widely regarded as the weak link. He was widely regarded as someone who wasn't good enough. He was widely regarded as a guy that is going to get sent out of town sooner rather
2: than later. Now look at him. Now look at him. Not saying he's Vince Lombardi.
1: But the vast majority of the you know addicted to drama Husker fans swore Chenander was a bum. How's that going for you right now? Just like a whole bunch of Husker fans thought Bob Diaco was the second coming of Bill Parcells. How'd that work out for you? How'd that work out for you? All I'm saying is things can change. What you think, what is true today, or what you think is true today, may not be reality tomorrow. That's kind of the beauty of sports. And especially in the middle
2: of a season, let it play out, let it play out. Speaking of kind of judging
1: progress, I wanna play a little game to kind of wrap up this pod. So we're almost at the midway point of the season. Saturday's game against Northwestern, but game number six, halfway home. Uh, and I want to play a little uh, Husker progress report. And here's how I want to do it. So I'm going to go through, I'm going to look at the, the the three big phases, offense, defense, special teams, as well as going through the quarterback, running back, O-line, wide receivers and tight ends, and even coaching and hand out kind of progress reports with three options, either improvement, disappointment, or it's the same. improvement disappointment are the same. And and so taking the first three years of frost as well as as recent as last year, like I'm going to take the whole scope of all that. So it's, it's a little bit of both. Like I'm, I'm zooming out to the whole three years. I'm zooming into last year. Listen, it's a little subjective. I think y'all get where I'm going with this. That's kind of how I'm framing it. And then I'm, I'm judging based on these five games into year four in terms of progress and quite simply am i am i seeing improvement am i disappointed or is the group the unit about the same so progress report husker style disappointment improvement the same let's start with the obvious one the defense overall improvement i mean incredible progress i'll I'll put it to you like this we don't even really need to waste any more time talking about the defense like we could go through each position group but let me ask you hey linebackers you think disappointment the same improvement d-line
2: secondary all improved just look at looking at i was thinking about this looking
1: at points scored on the defense just points scored on the defense. So no punt return touchdowns, no safeties, no Martinez fumble at Illinois where they run it for a touchdown, et cetera, et cetera. The defense has given up this season. Here are the point totals they've given up. 21 points, six points, three points,
2: 21 points, 16 points. In 2021 college football, it's really good. That's pretty damn good.
1: Like I said, I think this is a top 20, top 25 defense in the country right now. Everybody has to be wildly pleased with the defense. Easy, easy to say. Progress report, improve. The Dick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. And I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it. And how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors. for window and doors to perform at their best and you know the Pella experts are excellent at that bottom line energy efficiency matters and making your home more comfortable and Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency check them out online Pella Omaha.com that's pellaomaha.com. offense kind of look at it just overall unit I'm going to say the same because ultimately you still got to put up points And that just hasn't happened outside of the Fordham game. Like, against three power five teams this year, the offense has scored 22 points, 16 points, and 20 points. Now, to be fair, I think we all do see flashes of the thing coming together at times, especially when everyone is healthy. And I think that's a big, big deal, a big, big factor to continue to keep in mind. Like, if this team was healthy from the jump and had the full complement of Oliver Martin, Samari Touré, Xavier Betts, Omar Manning, Austin Allen, Vokalek, all healthy and on the field the entire time. Like, I like that look quite a bit. But again, they aren't putting up points. Red zone's been a big problem. Consistently run the ball's been a big problem. Pass protection been a big problem. I don't think it's worse. I don't think the offense collectively is worse than last year but I don't see big enough improvements either to give them the stamp of like, yes, absolutely improving improvement. Got to still put up points, man. So for the offense, I'm going with same. special teams, disappointment, massive disappointment. Sky's blue, water's wet. You get it. Like it's lost two games. Think about that. You can draw a straight line to special teams, losing two of the three losses so far this season, competent kicking, Nebraska, Likely has a chance to beat Oklahoma, and they beat Michigan State. But it bears repeating as we're deep diving this stuff. At Illinois, two missed extra points and a safety on a punt. Buffalo, three missed field goals. At Oklahoma, two missed field goals, a blocked extra point that was returned for two in a huge spot for the Sooners. At Michigan State, had a punt return for a touchdown in a huge crunch time moment in the fourth quarter. They also gave up a long kickoff. To Michigan State, which led to a field goal, I mean, it's laughable. It, it's it's laughable. Now again, like I said earlier, to be fair, I don't I don't quite know how you can peg all the kicking on the coaches, but it falls in line with all the other crap, right? Like the punt return situation is brutal. They don't have anyone that can even catch a punt right now. They're just letting them roll. Frost wasn't fully exaggerating when he said that they gave up, you know, two to three hundred hidden yards in special teams at Michigan State. You know, I was thinking about this. When's the last time Nebraska had a return to kickoff past the 25-yard line? Like, Kenny Bell in 2012. I mean, I know it's not that long, but, like, it feels like it's been forever since someone's returned to kick and taken it past the 25. Just the 25. Not saying returning to kickoff for a touchdown. Just past the 25. Punting's been bad. It's been a massive disappointment. Disappointment. Husker progress report. Quarterbacks, really talking about Martinez improvement. I mean, again, think this is a guy that was benched at one point last year, and now look at the dude. Like, I've been impressed with 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 Adrian Martinez. He's playing great. He's not getting a ton of help. The guy is running for his life on almost every passing play. You know, again, it's it's amazing to think he was sacked seven times in Michigan State, and it could have been twelve or more. Honestly. He had to be Houdini and make an all-world play to escape. Or, or a lesser quarterback, a you know a Zach Taylor, a Tanner Lee, like those guys, maybe get sacked thirteen times against Michigan State. Now he didn't. Martinez didn't play well at Illinois, but man, he's played pretty damn good football for four straight games now. Martinez, statistically right now, currently leads the Big Ten in total offense. He's number one uh, in in the in the conference in quarterback rushing yards, and he's second in total touchdowns. It does get really, really tiring to hear any sort of Martinez criticism or Martinez angst. It's like, guys, you watch the games, man. I'm also getting really tired of the armchair quarterback screenshotting pictures of an open guy or pointing out that he missed a guy on a play here, a play there. Like, You do understand the guy's under siege from the second he gets the snap. Like he's gotten the other thing too, is he's gotten very little help from his running back rushing attack to take a little bit of pressure off him. His weapons on the perimeter have been banged up. I just think any criticism towards him is just so misguided and so unfair. he has been pretty damn good. He's improved running back Husker progress report. I'm going to go same. I don't think it's gotten worse, but I still just don't see a stud and they haven't settled in on a bell cow guy, which is what they said they wanted to do. Nebraska's inability to find an above-average running back has been maddening. It's been maddening. Now, to be fair, is some of this on the offensive line? Maybe a bit, but listen, man, trust your eyes. Like, y'all know what a stud
2: running back looks like. Do you see one? I don't. So I'm going to go with the same wide receivers. I'm going to go improvement. Like
1: I definitely think this this position has improved. Samari, Toure, Betts, Manning, Martin. Those are four pretty good players need to get healthy and stay healthy. But those four guys right now are playing at a higher level than what we saw last year. And the last two plus years tight ends. I'd have to go improvement, I guess. I mean, Austin Allen, there's good players there, right? Austin Allen's a good player. I think you saw with Vokalek in the equation how that can look, running two tight end sets and his blocking and even his slipping out of the backfield or out of the you know tight end spot to make some plays, catching the ball. Like those are good players there. Some I'm go improved. Offensive line, massive disappointment. Tons of penalties, laughable with the false starts. They can't establish a consistent push running the ball. Pass protection's been bad. Martinez is having to escape constantly. Outside of special teams, the offensive line is by far the biggest issue with this football team. If you were asking, if, if someone hadn't watched Nebraska play this year so far and they were getting ready to watch Nebraska play Northwestern on Saturday and they say, hey Nick, what, so what's, what have they struggled with? I'm like, well, they're really bad on special teams and the offensive line has really struggled. That's how you would kind of describe the team, right? Really bad on special teams, really, really been shaking the O-line. So they've been a big disappointment. And then coaching, last kind of progress report category. Just looking at the kind of overall details, discipline, organization. As much as it hurts to say, I think you got to go with disappointment. Frost has said it looks like the same movie, and he's right. It's been the same movie for three and a half years now, and a lot of it can get chalked up to coaching. I mean, it just has to like the details, the self-inflicted stuff, the special teams, penalties, the organization, it all just hasn't really improved, in my opinion. And that's super disappointing through five games here because throughout the offseason, I mean, all I wanted to see this year was kind of two things. Get to a bowl game, consistently get to the point where you're playing a clean game. Get to a bowl game and get to the point where more often than not, at the end of the game, we're not sitting about sitting here talking about all the the ways Nebraska beat itself. That was basically it. So it's like just want to see, get to a bowl game, just play a clean game. And those two things haven't really happened, which is very frustrating. And there's just little things I've talked about this. I mean, I still don't quite understand some of the personnel decisions they make from a rotation standpoint. Like the running back room is bizarre to me. Like Ramir Johnson was fourth string to start the year. Now he's the starter. Marquis Step was the leading rusher, and at one point now he didn't play at Oklahoma, and he's he only had two plays, I think, in Michigan State. Sevion Morrison, all of a sudden, showed up in enormous moments in the Michigan State game after not really being a, a big part of of the rushing attack. We've Xavier Betts didn't play against Illinois. You, you've played four different punt returners. You have two different punters. I mean, sheesh. I mean, then I've t- the organization. Has been an issue. You know, the wasted timeout at Oklahoma coming off a kickoff, a timeout that would have saved them 40 seconds at the end of that game, which would have been massive. It's a big, big mistake. They had to call a timeout earlier in the Oklahoma game on a punt. They weren't organized after the Xavier Betts 70 yard bomb at Oklahoma. They wasted a play in the red zone. They end up not scoring. Important. Like stuff like that matters. So with coaching so far in the Husker progress report, you probably have to go
2: with disappointment. I mean, they're two and three. And it's a lot of cheddar bobbin shooting yourself. That's what it's been. So there you go.
1: Little progress report. Again, defense, improvement. Linebackers, defensive line, secondary, all improved. Collectively, the offense, I'd say it's the same. Special teams, I'm going to go with disappointment. You know, you look at, at, at the quarterback... Martinez, I think it's improvement. Running back, I'm going to go the same. Wide receivers and tight ends, I think there's been improvement. And then the offensive line and coaching, I think it's been a disappointment so far. A little progress report. All right, so to wrap this bad boy up, what a huge stretch now for Scott Frost. Back is against the wall now. They're 2-3, and three, blew a couple of games. But what I love about sports, man, is... It's kind of like the Shenander thing. like what what i love what I love what I loved about being an athlete. And, and what's cool about sports is bottom line, you're the one with the pen writing your own story.
2: Pages blank, you're the one with the pen. It's when you you fall
1: short and you and you don't do the things. That's when you hand the pen to other people and they write your story. right now. It's still in their... The pen is still in their hands. It is. It's still in your control. You're being the players and the coaches. Because guess what? Whether whether we all like it or not, these seven games are going to kick off. You still go play the games. Nebraska, seven games left. Seven. Five of the seven are at home. Just keeping it real. Northwestern and Purdue aren't very good football teams. Minnesota... Just lost a bowling green at home. Wisconsin's defense is really good, but I don't think that offense is is great. Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, I think are legit tough ass teams.
2: The road's tough. But man, if you can if you can win at Oklahoma, you can beat or hang with anyone. And Nebraska almost won at Oklahoma.
1: Like, if you can hold Michigan State on the road to zero first downs and five total yards in the second half
2: and have the game in your grasp, like, you can hang with anyone. Can Nebraska finally put it all together? Can Nebraska
1: finally stop shooting themselves with the self-inflicted penalties and special teams blunders? Can the O-line find something inside of them to get it rolling a little bit? If Nebraska can answer any of those questions, I still think this team has a run in it. I really do. But bottom line, the flaws are there. And
2: because of the flaws, the margin for error is thin. It's go time for, for Scott Frost and the boys.
1: It starts with Northwest, Northwestern this week. I think Nebraska is going gonna, is gonna to play well, and I think they're going to beat Northwestern by two scores, by 10 to 14 points in that area. I, I feel good about it. I think I think that group finally puts it together and puts it on somebody. That's not a very good offense with Northwestern. They're not settling in at quarterback, At defense feeling pretty good about themselves. Talking about the black shirts. I think they're going to play well, but while, you know, it's funny. While it does feel like we're watching the same movie, like every Saturday, even though it's the same movie, you don't quite know how it's going to play out. I sit here and talk with confidence. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? So we'll see. I think I like Nebraska this weekend. It's going to be fun to see how this team responds. It's going to be fun to see how this team responds. Okay, a couple of reminders here. Make sure you subscribe to that podcast. Just click that subscribe button. Also, subscribe to the YouTube page. It really helps me out. I've been told that I think I can monetize the YouTube page if I get to 1,000 subscribers. We're almost there. So I'm calling on y'all to help your boy out. Subscribe to the YouTube page, share the pod with your friends, leave a rating, leave a comment, leave a review. You can always email me nick at nickbaugh.com. Next podcast gonna be that Nebraska Northwestern game recap pod. Yours truly, Bo we will have you covered with that. Plus we are due for a wine pod uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks. Plus, Practice started for college basketball. Hoops is just around the corner. You know I got you covered for Creighton and Nebraska basketball. Should be very interesting years for Hoyberg and McDermott respectively. Tons to look forward to on the pot. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys listening, supporting the podcast, and we'll catch you
0: next time on the Nick Bot Podcast. A Huda Media Production. Hail Varsity Radio every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m.